Welcome to St. Martin of the Fields. Welcome to Great Sacred Music and a very happy St. Andrew's Day, particularly to any Scots amongst us, and a special welcome to those joining us online. Who was St. Andrew? He was the brother of Simon Peter. He's a working-class saint. Why do we know that? Because if you look at the account in Mark's Gospel of the calling of the first disciples, uh, Peter and Andrew were casting their nets from the shore, but James and John not only had a boat, but they had hire, hired men and a father who they left behind. So they were a much more bourgeois pair of fishermen than um, poor old Andrew and Peter who just had to cast the not, uh, their net from the side. In John's Gospel, we're told that uh, Andrew was the first uh, disciple to call somebody else to follow Jesus, his brother Peter. So he's known as the first evangelist. And so St. Andrew's Day, 30th of November, today is, is a special day in the, missionary, uh, in the missionary imagination of the church. What do we know about Andrew? Well, I pretty much told you what we know. Obviously, there are many legends about most of the apostles. The legend about Andrew is that he was martyred in the year 60 in Patras, which, as you may know, is Greece is in these kind of two halves joined together by a little isthmus, and, uh, and um, Patras is on the northern bank of the southern half of Greece. Now, the 12th century chronicle of Nestor, which I'm sure you use for bedside reading, um, much beloved amongst the Orthodox, uh, adds that he preached along the Black Sea and the Dnieper River as far as Kiev, and from there he traveled to Novgorod. Hence, he became a patron saint, and this is interesting, of Ukraine, Romania, and Russia. So if there's a day for the convergence of Ukraine and Russia around their tradition, today might be that day. According to tradition, he founded the See of Byzantium, no small thing, in AD 38, installing Stachys as bishop, which is really an orthodox way of saying we had a bishop of Constantinople before uh, there was a pope in Rome. Hence, uh, Andrew, along with St. Stachys, is recognized as the patron saint of Constantinople, so quite a, quite a, a, a good legendary CV there. He's been the patron of Scotland since the 8th century, although the diagonal cross, the saltire that you may be familiar with from the Scottish flag, uh, is only associated with him from the 14th century. Now, Scotland has its patron saint day, its national day today. Scotland, as you may know, uh, covers a third of the landmass of the United Kingdom. I don't know if you would guess how many islands there are in Scotland, but I think you might be surprised to hear it's 790. 8% of the population of the United Kingdom, so a significant amount of empty space up there, I think it's fair to say. Uh, it's been a kingdom since the 9th century, personal union with the English crown from 1603, part of the Act of Union of uh, 1707, and of course got its own parliament in 1999. We're going to uh, celebrate now, together, for the next half hour, we're going to start, as we always do, by singing a hymn together called Great St. Andrew, which sounds like the name of a church. Um, in fact, it is the name of a church, the St. Andrew the Great in Cambridge. Uh, but this hymn was written by the Anglican priest uh, Frederick Oakley, who was one of the great Tractarians who converted to Roman Catholicism with John Henry Newman in 1845. But uh, before he did that, he was rector of what's now known as All Saints Margaret Street, just up off, uh, off Regent Street, a mile or so from here. 
back in the days in the early 19th century when it was still known as Margaret Chapel. Why have you heard of him? You have heard of him because it says the words tr Frederick Oakley, i.e. translated by Frederick Oakley on the bottom of the carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. And you're not going to tell me you've never sung the carol, O Come All Ye Faithful, and you're licking your lips at the prospect of doing so far too many times in the next month. So we remain seated, the voices stand and lead us as we sing, not O Come All Ye Faithful, but Great St. Andrew. I don't uh, think it would be very controversial to say that James Macmillan is one of the great Scottish contemporary composers, and we're going to hear a fascinating piece of his uh, now uh, based around the Serenity Prayer. If the name Serenity Prayer doesn't mean anything to you, you'll probably recognize the words I'm going to quote now. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Words first spoken by Reinhold Niebuhr, in 1934 and written down by a female student, Winifred Crane Weigall. Now, those who uh, quite rightly maintain uh, that many of the greatest works in history were in fact written by women and ended up being credited to men have tended to hold up Winifred as one of their great uh, heroes, but she never actually claimed to have written it. She just claimed to have written down the words of Reinhold Niebuhr, the great theology professor from Union Seminary in New York, and he went on using it from time to time, uh, and it 
popped up in an obituary in the New York Herald Tribune in 1941, just a few years later, was read by one of the people that founded the first Alcoholics Anonymous group and has since then been synonymous with 12-step programs, which is why how it's become so extraordinarily well-known. In fact, Reinhold Niebuhr, having been a friend of presidents and the great theologian of America of the 20th century, really, is now known by this prayer more than, far more than for anything else he said uh, or did. And he, the form in which we use it today was he first used in a column in a newspaper in 1951. Uh, and Macmillan's uh, piece fascinatingly combines it with part of Thomas Aquinas's liturgy for Corpus Christi. But the thing you really need to know, there's only one thing you know about Reinhold Niebuhr, it is that his wedding was presided over by my grandfather. <laughs> the reason being that his wife Ursula and my father were playmates when they were growing up. So he was always treated with great reverence uh, in uh, my family, even though a lot of my theological work has been about demolishing his. Anyway, let's enjoy uh, this wonderful piece by James Macmillan.
Well, you may be saying to yourself what I said at the beginning was all very well, but how does it connect Andrew to Scotland? So just to join up that part of the jigsaw, several legends state that the relics of Andrew were brought by divine guidance from Constantinople to the place where the modern Scottish town of St Andrews uh, stands today. In 832, Angus II led an army of Picts and Scots into battle against the Angles led by Athelstan near modern-day Athelstanford. Curious coincidence of the name, in East Lothian. The legend states that he was heavily outnumbered and hence, whilst engaged in prayer on the eve of battle, Angus vowed that if granted victory, he would appoint St. Andrew as the patron saint of Scotland. On the morning of battle, white clouds forming an X shape in the sky were said to have appeared. Angus and uh, his combined force, emboldened by this apparent divine intervention, took to the field despite being inferior in numbers, were victorious. Angus honored his pre-battle pledge and duly appointed St. Andrew as the patron saint of Scotland, and everybody lived happily ever after. We're now going to hear two uh, con more contemporary pieces of contrasting styles, one based on the new commandment that Jesus gives the disciples in John 13, and the second, a very uh, characteristic piece by possibly the leading hymn writer in the United Kingdom uh, um, uh, uh, in the contemporary genre, John Bell.
Well, it's time for us to sing again now, and the Sky Boat song uh, you will recognize as a Jacobite lament, actually written much later in the 1880s, which commemorates the journey of Bonnie Prince Charlie over the Minch as he invaded capture by government troops after the Battle of Culloden. Uh, Margaret Old was a uh, doyen of Sunday school teachers, she was for 30 years on the staff of Scripture Union until her death in 1998. Uh, she was involved at an early point with the charismatic renewal movement and compiled, compiled two books of hymns and songs for seven to 14 year olds. So you'll certainly recognize the tune. You may not know uh, the words which are, have a Pentecost theme, but we'll again remain seated. The voices stand and lead us as we sing Spirit of God. Thank you. 
Well, we're coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. If you have, there's an opportunity to make a donation in the retiring collection as you leave. You can swipe a card or you can produce vast wads of notes. Either of those is perfectly appropriate. Thank you for anything you can do to keep this great tradition uh, alive. Uh, our next Great Sacred Music, you may be aware that uh, Christmas is coming. The goose apparently is getting nervous. But uh, we're going to stay in Advent for as long as we can, uh, and we've got an Advent sequence for you next Thursday. We're going to finish uh, on a lighter note with a lullaby written in 1923 to a traditional tune about Angus, the, the Celtic god of dreams, who goes about the world dispensing sweet, unsettling dreams of love to everyone he meets, just like you. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.